Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. And so the, the old-fashioned way is just to knock on the, the door with your fist. I have to say that my finger that hits first is always very tender and sore. I never did like knocking on a door. But back in the day, doors were so big and massive, that probably wouldn't have made enough noise. So they devised these, these uh, metal pieces where you could hit, strike the metal together, and it would let the person inside know, hey, I'm here. I'd like for you to let me in. I'd like to talk to you. Now, over time, we got a lot classier. We got doorbells. Literally, at first, they were doorbells. They were mechanical, just a line that went through to a bell, and you pulled a cord, and it rang the bell on the inside. Yeah, I don't remember that. Do you? Actually, it's sad. I think a few of you might have grayer hair than I do, and I remember some of those. But then became the electronic bell. You know, that bane of all mothers who have toddlers that are taking a nap finally. Ring the doorbell. Wake them up. Thank you very much. When I was early in ministry, uh, where I was uh, uh, working, we had a deaf couple in our congregation. And I loved to visit, <laughs> visit with them. They, we had a lot of fun together. They were a fun couple. They gave me my name. They took a K, and they do it right here on their shoulder. I don't know sign language, but I th what does that mean? Lazy? Is that lazy? So they took my name and said, you're a preacher. Kent, you're lazy. And I'm going, yeah, thank you so much. So we had a great time. I would literally go visit them. Except at their house, when you wanted to go in, it would do no good to have a doorbell. So when you hit the doorbell button, it flickered the lights. And they would know someone was at the door. Of course, in this day and age, we have smart doorbells to let people know. We have cameras. We have all these things. We are good about, know, about letting someone know we are here and we want to come in. We want to see you. I have to tell you, as a, a father of daughters, I don't know how it is with now, but when I took a date, went out on a date, I had to ring a doorbell and meet a father before I went. And then, what's this deal texting? I'm out here. Come, come on out. No, 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 no. I hope all of you parents make that guy or whoever come to the door and get past your guns. I mean, get past you to, <laughs> to remind them that you stand between, between you and, and them and your daughter or your children. But anyway, we have a way of letting people know we are here. And the point is, when we've come a distance... To, get, to be with someone we need, want to be with, we want to be invited in, asked in. And today is God's invitation to enter into his presence so we can ask, so we can seek, and to knock. And we're in Luke chapter 11, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 13, because it talks about prayer. In fact, verse 1 starts off this way. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. I mean, the disciples had been with Jesus for a time, and they noticed that prayer was a very important thing for Jesus. They witnessed this over and over again. He spent spend times in prayer. And they see how that impacts Jesus. They want to be more like him, so they ask him to pray. And you see the line there, teach us to pray like, John's, like John taught his disciples to pray. You know, this is... One of the last times we'll see John, hear about John, and isn't it nice to know one of those last things said about him is that he was a man of prayer. And disciples learned how to pray from those they were following. 
I hope if anybody is around me that they would think of me as a man of prayer and they would want to pray because they see the impact of prayer on my life because the bottom line is if Jesus needed to pray if John needed to pray what does that say about me and what does that say about you Prayer needs to be a part of our lives. And so Jesus is going to get an an example. He's going to talk about an attitude that we should have and the expectation we should have when we pray. Jesus gives the how-to, that model. But more than that, as with everything else, Jesus goes to the heart of the matter and tells the heart of this. What is it if you're going to pray and have it impact your life like Jesus prays and it impacted his life? How do you do that? And so he, they ask, and then he models God's answering in answering their prayer, answering what they've asked for, and showing them the answer. But before we get to the prayer, let's look at the point that I think is central in the theme, and it's at least central for this message, in verses 9 and 10. And then we're going to look at the two parables that he uses to make the point. First of all, let's get to the central part. In between those two parables, here's what Jesus says. Luke 11, 9 and 10. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And, the, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. I believe that's the heart of the passage. Ask, seek, knock. And all three words are metaphors for praying. That's what he's talking about here. So as we go through this passage, let's keep these three words, these three metaphors for prayer at the forefront of our minds. So let's look at the two parables first to help us make this point. First parable, Luke 11, verses 5 through 8. I'm going to read the parable, and then we'll make a few observations. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. All right, here's some tips for asking. Tips for asking God things. First of all, ask based upon a relationship. In the story, Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend. I mean, he, he, and because of that friendship, you can go to him at midnight. Now, for some of you, that's when you start thinking about bed. <laughs> a bunch of you that have hair like mine, we've been in bed three or four hours by then. But it's It's late. It's, it's past the time. But because of that friendship, we go to them, to one who's close to me, a neighbor, somebody who lives by, somebody who I know is there, I can get to, and can help me. Second tip for asking, have a need. I have a need. Again, in verse 5, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. I need help. I have a need. This one happened to be three loaves of bread. I have an unexpected guest or friend, and I need help now. And then the third tip for asking is to have what the text calls shameless audacity. 
So suppose the one on the inside, this one you called friends, says the door's locked, the kids are in bed, I can't get up and give you anything. You notice he doesn't say, friend, don't bother me. He just says, don't bother me. But how, he rejects him. And how, how do you feel when you're rejected? When somebody turns me away from like, like that, I'm telling you, I'm happy to leave. I want to leave. I can't get away fast enough. I don't take rejection very easily. The only issue is here, here is if he were to go away in his rejection, the need is still not met. The guest is still there and is hungry and, the, and he needs food to feed them. The need doesn't go away. So, so he, I have a need and I have a relationship. And he continues to knock. And the result of this is found in verse 8. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you bread because of friendship, yet because of shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. And so the one who's doing the asking and the knocking, are they pleased? Hey, got you. Got you out of bed. Made you get up. No. Oh. He can, but he is happy that he can now meet his need. Parables have... We, we have a way of trying to tack on too much to a parable. Parables have a point, one point, a point to follow. So let me tell you a few things that God is not saying, that Jesus is not teaching in this parable. First, God is not asleep. <laughs> That's not the point. And God is not reluctant to share his resources. God has limitless resources, and he is not reluctant to give it to us. And it's not even that we had better expect we are better get ready for unexpected guests. It's not like you got to get ready for this. Every potential thing that might happen, you have to have everything ready so that you are not unprepared. That's not the message. The message is not that you don't have to storm up to heaven to wake up God and get his attention. God is not reluctant to hear, and he is not reluctant to answer. God wants to answer our prayers and will. God tells us about himself in Isaiah 65, 24. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. That's the God that we're talking about. So don't read that into this story. That's not the point of that parable. Instead, let's look at this shameless audacity that we're talking about here. Your, your translation that you might have turned to in Luke 11 uh, might use a different word. The old NIV used the word boldness, a very good word to use, with boldness. Another, the English Standard Version says impudence. I just like the sound of that word. I had to practice before I could say it. It's that shameless persistence, that persistence, that shameless audacity. The point is not that we have to wear God down or overcome his insensitivity to our issues. The point is about us and the attitude we bring, the heart that we bring. One that, that says this is big to us. It overcomes our apathy. It, it's, it is our hearts fill this need deeply. And it, we need to do something about it. It, it helps us understand the, the intensity of that need. And that's how we come to God. 
with shameless audacity. We're going to look back at verse 9 of, of Luke 11, except this time out of the New Living Translation, which is a, a good way of translating these words. It says, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. It's, it's that persistence, that keeping on. It's not a one time and done. It's that keep on asking for things that only God can provide. Keep on seeking that which is lost or which you don't understand. Keep on knocking to gain admittance. Keep coming to God. Because in all of these cases, God is willing, ready, and waiting to respond. God wants to. So keep it up. Keep trying. Keep asking. I can remember years ago when the, the girls were home, they would oftentimes come to me to help with, with homework. Let me just say first and foremost, one of my favorite subjects in school was math. Anybody like me love math? Thank you very much. Yeah, one of my worst subjects in school was math. One of the lowest grades I ever made was in college algebra. I am not good at this. I'm not good at math. So it, it, when algebra hit, Remember I told you about the poor grade in college algebra? I could no longer help my girls. I remember one night they come, came to me needing some help. And I said I was going to point towards mom, but mom was not available. And, um, and all I could say was, you know, you're doing great in the class. You have wonderful grades. I, I'm sorry, I can't explain it to you. But I have a feeling if you will keep at it, if you'll keep studying, keep looking, keep reading, you'll figure it out. And she did by the morning not not because of anything I did but because she kept after it and the same is true for all of that us there's not necessarily a person a neighbor we can go to that can explain everything but we can keep on struggling we can keep on asking we can keep on seeking don't stop your faith just because you're struggling so just remember out of the first parable there was a relationship there was a need and he brought to that need shameless audacity now let's look at the second parable and you'll see it starting in verse 11 tips for receiving that was tips for asking here's some tips for receiving the blessing first of all have a relationship Luke 11 verse 11 which of you fathers if your son asks once again you see he's pointing out that relationship a son and a father and then we see the need if your son asks for a fish, will you give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? So the need here is just for food. <laughs> it's been fun reading about this. I don't know if all this is right or not. It seems kind of wild to me. But they say that that snake, if you ask for a fish, you'll give him a snake. You want a fish, go fishing. They say this is a little water snake that looks like a worm. And so here, use this. Or they say the scorpions then could curl up in a ball that looked like an egg. Hard for me to imagine a scorpion that big. I don't know if any of that's true or not. But the point is, a good father is not going to trick his child. If they ask for a, a fish, they're not going to give them a snake. If they ask for an egg, they're not going to give them a scorpion. That's not what they're going to do. So you have this relationship, father and son. You have a need. Here the need again is food. And if, what do you, if the key to receiving is to bring to that a trust. Look at verse 13. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You know, here you can trust your Father to give good gifts. 
I like how Jesus gives a lot of dignity to good parents. He doesn't portray them as just giving them their children everything that their child asks for. He says a good parent gives a good gift. They're not held hostages, hostages by their child's wishes and give in at everything. And neither is God. We can ask God for anything. However, God may have something better in mind for us than we are asking. The key is, do we trust God? Because when we ask, seek, and knock, a good father, he gives. And what does he give in this text? He gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Remember, in context, in the story of Luke, Jesus has not yet died on the cross. You know, he hasn't sent them to Jerusalem and ascended into heaven at this point. And so the disciples, you can only imagine what they might be thinking at this stage of the game. They've heard Jesus talk about this kingdom living. You've heard it said, but I say. And they're thinking, how in the world can a person do this? Turn the other cheek, go the extra mile. Don't look after a woman to lust. Don't, come, you know, don't even look at a person in anger. Tough things for them. Because remember, they've grown up hearing about this, this to-do list and, and all these laws and then the added on laws. And so from this mindset, it's so hard. And they're going, how can we live this? And we're seeing Jesus live it, so we need to find a way. What they likely also recalled was some Old Testament scripture. Ezekiel 36, verses 26 and 27. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and, and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. God promises to help in need. And they could see that as being a good gift. A good gift. The gift of the Holy Spirit. And so back to our central verse again. Verses 9 and 10. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks the doors will be opened. Here's what he wants you to keep at the center of this teaching on prayer. Ask, seek, knock. Because sometimes God does not answer our prayers immediately. Sometimes we keep on knocking and waiting for God's answer. However, if we will continue to trust God, Jesus promises that we will receive, we will find, we will have an open door. So with that in mind... Let's look at this model prayer that Jesus presents to them. So back up to verse 2. And first of all, notice the asking from relationship. Luke eleven two. 2. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. See the relationship? Child to father. God is our father. And he is not an imperfect earthly father. He is our holy father. And he is worthy of our honor. So you ask from relationship. And then you seek this kingdom he calls us to. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. 
Jesus has been talking about this kingdom and kingdom living and what it looks like and it must have been overwhelming for those disciples sometimes it's overwhelming to us but it is what they desired and he says to, to get there God has to rule in the hearts of all we have to seek his will and seek his way so seek his kingdom and then knock on the doors of heaven and he points out several ways of knocking first of all knock with life's circumstances give us each day our daily bread and I just want to pause and, and point out nothing is too big or too small with God a fish an egg three loaves of bread nothing's too small somebody said we knock on heaven's door with empty hands and hungry hearts well, maybe so I'd like to also propose you knock on heaven's door with your need you don't need a doorbell you don't need a smart doorbell you just need a need and I would say when we're looking at this part of it life circumstances you take that need and use it to knock on heaven's door in other words you're praying for this day's needs maybe they're really big and they maybe they're small but don't slight one's prayers for physical needs or illness as unimportant or less important than the spiritual because asking is a spiritual thing remember the manna the children of Israel remember their manna and how they were supposed to get that day enough for that day their daily portion they were not to store it up I, I, I haven't heard this phrase in a long time but I did hear it the other day from an old timer you ever heard the, the phrase prayed up I'm all prayed up I have no idea for sure what that means I think it might mean that I'm in a good relationship with God I, I'm in relationship with him I've been talking to him uh, he, he, I'm walking in the light my sins are being forgiven I think that's what it means you can tell me later for what, what it means but I hope, it, I hope they're not saying, well, I'm all prayed up. I got this thing in a bag. I got it done. I've said my prayers. I got this day taken care of. You know, I'm all prayed up. I got my manna stored for today, and I got it for tomorrow and all next week. You know, that's, that's not what it's talking about here. It is going to God with the needs of this day, this moment. Going to God with this need big or small and it's a state of continual dependence on God asking God to provide what is needed so knock on heaven's door with life's circumstances big or small and knock with matters of the heart as well forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who sins against us we need to do more than just pray about our physical needs and life circumstances we need to knock with matters of the heart, the spiritual. And at the key, I mean, at the heart of that is this thought of forgiveness. It is crucial to have forgiveness to be in relationship with God the Father. So pray for forgiveness. And if you, if you really understand that forgiveness that God gives us, then you'll be forgiving those who have sinned against you and have sinned against me knock on heaven's doors with the deep matters of the heart and knock on heaven's door with a need for guidance and lead us not into temptation a prayer of request for spiritual protection in our trials and in our temptations 
Okay, I just got to pause here for just a moment. Hopefully you know this, but let me just remind you. God does not tempt us to do evil. James 1.13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. That's not what he's saying here. But he is saying we can pray to lead us not into temptation, to seek his will on our way, to ask for this protection against the trials and the temptations that come our way. All right, so just to review, ask. We're going to, our ask is oftentimes based on relationship. We're going to seek his will, his kingdom, to meet the needs in our life and knock with those needs, whether they're physical, spiritual, or for guidance. That's how we come to God. That's what prayer is all about, asking, seeking, knocking. Now, I know that doesn't sum up everything about prayer, but in this passage, I think there's a lot to be said from those three words. You are invited to ask seek and knock and God is listening you don't need to have some fancy device some great words that you use and phrases that sound very spiritual you don't need some fancy doorbell you just need to have trust and to come to God prayer by the way you know what happens when you do this when you ask and seek and knock what that does in your life and to your day I mean all of a sudden you're ready to seize the day seize the moment you're ready to face life challenges you have courage to walk this day this week this challenge because you trust God to guide you and you become very passionate about sharing this good God with those who don't know him. God told the prophet Isaiah of Jeremiah in Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. It's not hard to find God. He's just waiting to be found. It's not hard to find him. Just listen for him and listen to him. So friend, if you're here today and you don't know Christ you've been studying you know about him but you haven't come to know him yet let me encourage you this is the life so if you've been seeking God, God he wants to be found have you been studying about Jesus do you believe that Jesus truly is the son of God and that he has presented a way of living that is different than the way we're living now what you need what the next step for you is it to decide I'm going to stop living this way and repent and live that way it's to say, Jesus Christ is Lord, and he's going to be Lord of my life. I'm not going to let this world rule. I'm not going to be in charge anymore. God's going to be in charge. You confess his name before men, and then submit to him in baptism. So your sins can be washed away in the waters of baptism, and then you'll be raised a new man, a new woman, a new person in Christ to walk that new life, that new path. If that's where you are, I would say maybe today it's not just you knocking, but God is knocking. Revelation 3.20, Jesus said, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Jesus is calling you into relationship. I hope you'll answer the door today. Give your life to Christ. 
Brother and sister, for many of us, we've, um, we've struggled on our journey. And we find our sin as a major part of our life. I hope that we will understand and see clearly what sin does to us. There's, a, there's an old song that we oftentimes sing, or at least used to sing. Some of the words go like this. There is a balm in Gilead to help the wounded, to make the wounded whole. There is a balm in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. Do you have a sin-sick soul? Then I hope that you'll come back. Come back home to God. He's not far. He's listening. He can answer, and he can forgive you. And we can too. So let me just give you one portion of an invitation today. James 5, 16. Something that we can do for you on this journey. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We would love to pray with you and for you. If you need to respond publicly today, we'd invite you to come. Also, We'll have some shepherds and their wives in the parlor. And if you would rather go around there, they would love to pray for you. They'd love to bless you. Would you answer God's invitation? It's a great invitation. If you'd like to respond publicly, won't you stand together with me now and sing. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, from the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Souls in danger, look above, Jesus completely saves. He will lift you by his love out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea, billows his will obey. He your Savior wants to be, be safe today. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help